look at bad things that happen to people in life, most people react. They have knee-jerk reactions, and everyone knows what it feels like. If you are really aware of feelings that are happening inside your body, when you get overwhelmed, when you get anxiety, when you have fear happen, when you get upset, when you get pissed, when you want to punch the wall, all that is a, starts as a feeling somewhere in your body. Mm. It's some response, physical, actually a physical response. The game has really helped me identify that quickly as a trigger that goes off. And once that trigger goes off, for me it might be a heartbeat in my throat. That's this, it's almost a blood pressure feeling that's filling me up. I no longer need to emotionally respond to that feeling mm. and react. I can sit back and I've gamified a system and a process. I take a deep breath, I flood my body with oxygen. I'll do it right here in front of you. I just leave it in and I leave it out. I bleed it in, I leave it out. The point is this, it doesn't matter how bad the thing that happens is. When you can gamify any situation so that you can preserve the most precious thing you own, which is your emotions, and you can look at it like this. That guy didn't screw me over. That thing didn't just happen to me. Like none of this is yeah. bad. This is all this is is the game. The universe just played a good yeah, chess yeah. move against me. It allows me to take back and take full control of the power. Once I have the power, I am literally dangerous. I am so dangerous when you cannot fuck with my mind. It, I call it unfuckable with. I'm unfuckable with because I do not allow any external things to overtake me anymore. Hey, welcome to our next episode of Man on a Mission. Today's topic is titled Awakening the Leader Within. I'm really pumped because I'm going to interview my partner in crime, Eric Rock, here on leadership. And I've heard some fragments of a couple stories I want him to elaborate on. And uh, so I thought we'd start right there, Eric. Let's talk about leadership today. Uh, I know you're preparing an incredible talk. It's coming in a month from now uh, to sales leader in real estate out of state. Where are you going? Yeah, Park City. Park City, Utah. Mm-hmm. Sunday. So, so this has been something you've been contemplating, chewing on. Mm-hmm. Um, you you embody leadership to me. I've had the privilege to see you in all kinds of business situations, coaching people, and then, of course, collaborating on this show. So I'm excited to dive into this and to really kind of get a look under the hood. We're going to look under the hood at Eric Rock right now in terms of what are his standards, his rules, how he operates. I haven't heard the full expression of this, so... Let's dive in. What's the first thing that comes to mind to open this topic of leadership? What comes to mind? Well, I will start by saying we are not alone with just Eric Rock in the room. We have the man here. We want to give some love to our man who represents the greatest version of ourselves. Um, The person we're always chasing. I don't know if I'll ever quite reach him, but there he is. He's taller than you. We had to give a tribute. (laughs) And yeah, leadership's important. The whole name of the show being Man on a Mission. I mean, at the core of this whole thing, there's, there's got to be a great leader in there. There's a man or woman that is out there impacting the world, and that is, exemplifies great leadership, first and foremost. And so as we talk about leadership, it's really important to sort of like get clarity on what that looks like um, if in your own life. Everyone, should, in my opinion, should be striving to be the ultimate version of themselves. And if that's true, then you should be striving to be a leader. It's, it's in some domain in your life, mm-hmm. if not all domains. Mm. Um, it's really hard to describe great leadership. When you're around it, you know it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like you feel it. it, it it's it's you so much more in, than in, just actions. Yeah. It's an aura. It's an energy. It's it's a long track record. You know what I mean? It's a it's failure. It's you feel the scar tissue in a person. Great leadership is something that is. It's very hard to just blase write it out because I felt leadership in my life. I was trying to, as I'm preparing for my big talk, I put a lot of thoughts into what leadership looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like. And a lot of it is an essence that even at a young age I sensed, but I really couldn't describe, mm. but I knew it was there. You recognize it. I knew it was there. Yeah. You know, so when preparing for the speech, I really thought about a lot of people that I knew, great leaders that I read about, trying to really formulate, like, what's the thing? Like, I wanted to do, like, really tell a story that was different. Mm. My first thought when I was thinking about leadership was really thinking about all the people in life that never become leaders. I actually started sort of there. Mm. And it's not a bad thing, necessarily. You know, there's some of the people that I love more than any people in the world that I would take a bullet for and jump in front of. Like, they never found their voice. They were really trapped by fears and scared. 
to jump out in front of the light, which is very necessary for great leadership to take place. Um, you know, my sto- story of my grandma that, that is really dear to my heart was something that really came to the top of my mindset when I was considering like all the things that are absent in leadership and all the things that are obvious in, in leadership. And for my grandma, um, I never really knew her that well, the way I thought I did, until I did something. My mentor, Ed Milet, told me to interview my dad. It was some advice that he'd give me, and so I never have done that yet. I still plan to do it, but I did execute that idea on my grandma. Last summer, she came up to visit me. It's been, I don't know, 30 years or something since she's been on a plane. Oh, wow. She found the courage to kind of jump on a plane and come visit me in North Idaho and the rest of our family. And um, it was really special to me. So I did take that opportunity to sort of like look at this as an interview. Like it was just me and her out on our deck looking at the lake. And I asked her some really powerful questions. Um, Questions I would have never thought to ask her. Like who her first kiss was, her first love, her who were her parents. I know nothing about her parents. Like, mm. you know, I knew my great grandma a little bit, but you really don't know. Like so yeah. many young kids out there like, hi grandma, how are you? That's really the extent of how far they dig. Yeah. Because they're at that stage of life where they're just grandmas. They're just loving grandmas. I didn't see the fears and the trouble that she had in life, all the f- pain and the failure and, and all the, you know, her father was an alcoholic. I didn't know that. I, it's hard to know how someone becomes a leader unless you know the full story. Oftentimes it's the childhood that either holds someone back or that propels someone forward. Mm. The roots of a person you you can really tie to their childhood. But my grandma, I'll make this quick, but you know, I asked her some really tough questions. One of the questions I asked her is, Grandma, do you think you've lived all your dreams? And the second I asked her that, it was sad. I wanted to pull the question back immediately. Mm. It really... I never seen my grandma's face quite turn like that. Mm. And it really broke my heart because I love her so much. And mm. she's an amazing person. But this is her experience, her reality, her world. Like these are her regrets. I, don't, I didn't know it was there, but she took me to a story about her childhood. The eight-year-old grandma who had an alcoholic, you know, abusive father. Yeah. Her mother never said much because she was scared and just went with the program, maybe turned her head a lot. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, my grandma had an opportunity to dance. She thought she was a really good dancer. She'd been sneaking away, learning how to dance, something like that. Mm. But some dance studio person had, had absorbed her, pulled her in, in Brooklyn, New York. And, um, and she went to her dad and said, hey, your daughter has some talent here. You know, and this for, for an eight-year-old little girl, just think about it, like, all of a sudden, like her dream is unfolding as a child. Mine was baseball at eight years old. Like I yeah. knew exactly what I wanted to do. But she, when you're a child and you have a dream and you have a fantasy, like it becomes powerful, yes. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. her dad squashed that dream quick. He basically came out and said, dancing is for whores. Wow. Just crushed her dream right there. You will never dance again. Like it's not going to happen. Make a long story short, you know, it's amazing when you ask someone like your grandma who's so dear to you, do you feel like you've lived your dreams? And she takes you right to her eight-year-old self. Yeah. Was she pretty emotional? She cried. Mm. You know, I, I, I cried with her. I held her. She said a few powerful words to me that have sat with me ever since. She says, Eric, I could have been somebody. I really could have been someone. That just broke my heart. Mm. She is somebody. And I love, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. She doesn't know how much she's given the world. But the she's big question is this. the regret in her. The yeah. regret. How many people are going to get to the end of the life and have like regret for things they didn't do, for fears that trapped them, for the, mm-hmm. all the things that constrict people. Leadership is really important. You have to be willing to step into the light, to face a bunch of fears, to get in front of a bunch of people. You got to get people to move. You got to get people to change their opinions and, and think outside the box. You have to become a force field. Being a great leader is hard. It's not easy. Be, but first, before you can go out and pack the world, before you can change the world, you really have to really focus and change yourself. And yeah, you got to pursue your aim, which you're hundred yeah. mm-hmm. percent. You got to master yourself because if you don't, people will see right through it. Mm-hmm. I, and so on, here's this one side of my grandma. I'm trying to think who else in my life yeah. has a story that exudes the opposite. something that's valuable that I can yeah. pull and I couldn't help, but go right to my uncle who passed away just a few years ago. Um, his name was Richard Rock. Mm. He's my dad's oldest brother. Um, he was a full bird colonel in the, in the military. 
um, and a really an amazing man, but he's someone that I always knew at a young age exuded great leadership. He commanded the room. He was a very short man, leathery skin, stern face, solid as a rock. I mean, his last name, his name was fitting Dick rock. I mean, Richard rocks his name, but went by Dick, but I mean, what a, what an intense human he was. Now, my first memory of my uncle Rich, my very first memory of him, I, I remember it vividly as I sort of play this backwards in my mind. It was at a Little League baseball game. I think my brother was playing, and I was like either on the bench or in the, in the bleachers. I don't know exactly the, the position I was in, but I couldn't help but remember this story. It was my first memory of him when I was probably eight years old. And I had just been kind of, my mom had just married into the Rock family. I was born Eric Stewart. I never knew my biological father. And so I now all of a sudden when she married my stepdad, all of a sudden I had this new family. And so mm. this was sort of my first Did taste of the rocks. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It, it, it la- look, I'm still talking about today. It had a lasting impact in yeah. my life. But I remember we're at this Little League game and they're playing the national anthem and everyone stands up and everyone's got their hands on their heart. They're doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. Can you see? And then there's my uncle. Like I look down the line of all the people and there he is. <laughs> Strict attention. Stone faced salt as a rock and tears just pouring down his face mm. drip 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 vivid as memories i could have mm. that was my first taste of my uncle didn't know what that was wouldn't define that as leadership at that age but i knew it was something different i just could sense it was something special mm. fast forward 20 years literally 20 years me and my wife jumped to uh, notre dame go see a football game. They're playing my alma mater for a school that I dropped out of, UNR, which is a once-in-a-lifetime deal for a small school like UNR, University of Nevada, Reno, to be playing a big school at Notre Dame. It was a pretty yeah. big deal. So half of Reno went to this game. Yeah. Well, my uh, cousin, Trent, uh, he went to Notre Dame. He's an engineer. He lives in South Bend. So all the Rock family got in a plane. We shot over to South Bend, Indiana. We're sitting at the game. My Uncle Rich is there, my Aunt Doris. And... Um, National Anthem starts playing. I'm 27, 28 years old now. And I look down the line, <laughs> and there, clear as day, rock solid, a stern face, mm. rock solid man, leathery skin, five foot six in all his mighty glory, is him saluting the flag. Mm. And as he did, I could not help but notice the tears just pouring down his face. Just drip, 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 drip. All right. Fast forward from that. This is the last memory I have, literally, undeniable last memory I have of him actually alive. This is the last time I saw him alive. Every year for countless years, the rock boys in the family would get together in the middle of the Nevada desert to hunt a bird called chucker. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of chucker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're very hard, painful birds to try to hunt. You really earn it. And I don't really feel bad about shooting at them. I'm not a a great bird hunter, mm-hmm. because you work so damn hard. Yeah, they, yeah. they hang out in the high shale cliffs. They chuck, 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 chuck. They talk, and you get close, and they shut up. And then right when you think you're where they should be, they start chucking across the canyon. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, how the fuck do they get over there? They yeah. run. They yeah. rarely jump up. You need to have a good dog. But we go on these chucker hunting things, and it's all it is is for an, a reason for all the rock boys to get together. It's, a bond, it's yeah. just a love thing. Yeah, and it's just it was really important to my family, and it's really sad now because – all these men have passed away. They're, they're moving on. They're, they're aging. And, you know, my, uncle, my other uncle had a stroke. It's just hard. It's sad to me. But my last vivid memory, my uncle was on this hunting trip. We were hunting this canyon. It was one of the deepest canyons I, I've ever remember hunting. In the middle of Nevada desert somewhere. I don't know exactly where we were. I can't re- quite remember what trip this was. But I do remember this memory. My uncle Rich, who we're talking about, he stayed high on the ridge line. Mm-hmm. So... I dropped maybe, we're hunting this whole canyon this side. All these rock guys kind of scattered throughout the mountain. He's on the high ridge line. I'm probably 100 yards below him. My brother Remington's probably another 100 yards below me. Uh, my dad and I think Trent were at the bottom of the canyon. I remember that explicitly because my dad always bring his hunting dog. And I'd, I remember that dog going back and forth at the bottom of the canyon. So I'm pretty sure they were down there. Yeah. So we really fl- spread out like a big flag and over that hillside. And... Out of nowhere, this F-18 jet just comes ripping through this canyon. Wow. Really amazing. Just, I mean, just yeah. 
like low altitude, yeah. like Mach 2, loud as hell. Yeah. Just amazing, yeah, right? This yeah. is that sick close. as yeah. fuck. Like, yeah. I love this. Yeah. And here comes another one. And another one. And no at way. some point, I knew, undeniable, they'd seen us. They may be on their radios because the next three or four, I mean, they just like right through this canyon. It was so cool to see stuff like this. Like, gets me all jacked up. But they started flapping their wings at us on this hillside. We're all waving. We got the orange hats oh, and shit, awesome. you know. We're, so we stand yeah, out like yeah. a sore thumb on they this. spot at you. Yeah. They're waving. So, But I, something just pulled at me. And I kind of pulled back. And I looked up at the top of that ridge line. And standing there. I don't know why I would do that shit. It's just uh, it's a good memory. I'll get through this. On the side of that hillside at the ridgeline, I could see the silhouette of his body. Mm. Just a shadow and locked stern. Mm. He had his hand and attention. That's powerful. I could feel the sternness of his face, although I couldn't see it. And I don't know this for a fact, but I guarantee you there was tears flooding down his face. The same tears that had been there when I was eight years old, same tears that were there when I was 28, and the same tears that were there when I was 35. But when you think about leadership, there's just things that are hard to describe. And I will tell you, I don't think that even then I fully understood it. I don't think I understood it mm. with this man until I actually went to his funeral in Colorado Springs. Mm. He had an amazing military funeral. And I was blown away by how many incredible people were there, how many highly decorated individuals there. So he was a full bird colonel. Mm -hmm. He retired right before making general. He led many men and women over the years. Yeah. He should have gone to general, and he, he talks about that a lot, but he had friends in high places like Colin Powell all the way up to the top yeah. of the food chain. Yeah. But when you think about the essence of a man and really what they stood for and who they are, just go to their funeral when they pass away and you'll get a real sense. It really helped me connect all these dots to my uncle when I heard countless people get up to the podium and give their testimony to my five foot six or seven wow. small stern little uncle, wow. tan, leathery skin, just mm. solid as a rock. Like when you hear the testimony over and over and over again, it all made sense. That yeah. kind of love and devotion to something, the commitment levels yeah. that you have to have of a lifetime of serving and giving, that's great leadership. You, you nailed it. I mean, the, one of our previous guests on the show, uh, Cody Alford, one of the fastest accelerated men in the Marines to hit targets as a sniper and as a leader. It reminds me of what he was talking about, this uh, that great leadership is not possible without a deep love and respect among your brothers. I, 100%. I mean, if, if, if that many people came to his funeral, it was amazing. And, uh, what did you, it reminds me of that gospel. What is it? Um, John 15 greater, greater. There's no greater love than this, that, that a man lay down his life for his brother and something I've always envied on the outside. Cause I'm, I've been in the military. It seems like people like your uncle tap into that. Yeah. Like, a, I mean, that's my fantasy of the tears we'll never know. But yeah. so yeah, I don't know like, what for you're right. I don't know what fears and, and pain and and I don't know what loss was trapped in those tears. But mm. the devotion and the love and the commitment mm. and and the nature of how he gave constantly to lead others, to inspire others. You got to think you're inspiring them and leading them potentially to their death. That comes with a very heavy weight. Yeah. When you protect freedom and all that America stands for, I mean, it's complex for sure. We just learned this. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you what, it's a heavy burden and it's a commitment like maybe we'll never understand, but did it's you, leadership. Tell me more about the, <laughs> the funeral. Was that, did you have an opportunity to hear things or share things yourself? Yeah, or? I got up and, and spoke myself. I told this story. This was... This was how I remembered him. It was the best way that I could find to sum up his life. Mm. And um, 
there was a lot of tears in the audience when I told that story. There was just, mm -hmm. um, it was a really great way to give him a tribute, but yeah, leadership is, um, you can't have a mission worthwhile in life without really confronting the demands of what it's going to take to be a great leader. Let and me yeah. Let me ask you a question on that. We, uh, like you, you've, I've heard you speak before to this basic distinction that, um, the first requirement of leadership more or less is for you to become that, what you're leading about hundred percent. Like for you must become yeah, the thing, become literally become the thing. So I know that, um, you've talked often about your own kind of guiding principles, standards, rules. Yeah, I have a lot. <laughs> so go there. Like what, well, what can. do you mean by that? Become the thing. Well, I'll start with this. This won't take too long, but I'm, pretty complex in how intentional I am about a lot of things mm -hmm. is I started finding wins in my life that really stemmed from loss and pain and just finally committing to something. I inadvertently created rules for my life, sort of standards for how I do everything. And one of the biggest things, hurdles that I want to start with that you really have to be intentional about is controlling your emotions. You've got to be an emotionally stable human if you want to lead people beyond yourself mm. it's already hard enough to just lead yourself and your family yeah but to lead other people to be a voice in the community to give back like all these things like to have to step in the light the way I want to I realized like especially as I got close to people that were doing this kind of stuff it became very clear that they all had systems and processes in their life that they lived and died by mm. now for me one of the things that was incredibly helpful is like bringing a lot of tactics into my life that really kept me going one direction gamifying life is something I talk about a lot and it has been a game changer. So mm. before I sort of set up the rules for the game, first I want to make it clear we're all playing a game. What's the context? Whether yeah. you realize it or not, like yeah. you, this is all a game. And when you look at the people at the top of the food chain, you ever hear them say, look at the scoreboard? Mm. Money's just a tool. Mm. All money is, is it keeps score for them. Like they're mm. playing the game and they love it. And it's how mm. they stay emotionally stable. When I look at bad things that happen to people in life, anything bad, that happens. Most people react. They have knee jerk reactions and everyone knows what it feels like. If you are really aware of feelings that are happening inside your body, when you get overwhelmed, when you get anxiety, when you have fear happen, when you get upset, when you get pissed, when you want to punch the wall, all that is a starts as a feeling somewhere in your body. Mm. It's some response, physical, actually a physical response. The game has really helped me identify that quickly as a trigger that goes off. And once that trigger goes off, for me, it might be a heartbeat in my throat. That's this, it's almost a blood pressure feeling that's filling me up. I no longer need to emotionally respond to that feeling hmm. and react. I can sit back and I've gamified a system and a process. I take a deep breath. I flood my body with oxygen. I'll do it right here in front of you. I just leave it in. And I leave it out. I bleed it in. I leave it out. And in that process, it's just triggering off another series of actions. And I look at the whole thing. It doesn't matter if someone fucked me over. Someone just crashed into my car. Someone pissed on my shoe. And I'm in the, yeah, and I'm in the toilet. Yeah. And there's a guy next to me, which happened to me yeah. once. Like literally peeing on my foot. This yeah. is a true story. Like that instinct to want to go nuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, just some rude asshole yeah, that yeah. just doesn't realize you're not peeing in the toilet, you're on yeah. my foot. Like, yeah, that yeah. happened at an airport to me. Yeah. But the point is this. It doesn't matter how bad the thing that happens is. When you can gamify any situation so that you can preserve the most precious thing you own, which is your emotions, and you can look at it like this. That guy didn't screw me over. That thing didn't just happen to me. Like, none of this is yeah. bad. This is all this is is the game. The universe just played a good yeah, chess yeah. move against me. It allows me to take back and take full control of the power. Once I have the power, I am literally dangerous. I am so dangerous when you cannot fuck with my mind. It, I call it unfuckable with. I'm unfuckable with because I do not allow any external things to overtake me anymore. And I had to work this out. This is a muscle. You can ask my wife in the evolution of Eric Rock and she'll tell you like, yeah, like year in and year out, I got so much more intentional about small details yeah. and it really broke down to emotional stability and control. I can still be intense. I can still fire off and hit, but it's all from a place of knowing that I'm playing a game. It's all that, that must free. I mean, that frees you up powerfully because it, it, it withdraws you to the it's freedom. It's like you're in the movie or watching the movie. 
hundred percent. It's totally so different. When you're playing a game, you're watching the movie and yeah, there's emotions. There's a character, a car run, ran someone over, but when you're watching the movie, man, exactly, you can. So what are the, you know, I know you live by standard. If you're playing a game, like if you're playing a game with kids, let's, as an example, like you, you go out, Hey guys, you want to play a game? They're going to go. Yeah. Then the next question is a big one. Well, what are the rules of the game? Right, there's always so, rules. There's, so we always the, have to have some the, ground rules. Yeah, give us those riverbanks. Well, well let me just in the context cap, of let me leadership. Just cap, let me just cap the game yeah. here and say, anytime something bad happens to you, imagine a chessboard. Let a trigger go off. Anytime you feel it here in your stomach, wherever you feel it, before you go hit the wall, I want you and have a knee jerk reaction that's just bizarre, which I see all the time in other mm. people now. It is so easy to spot. Mm. Take a deep breath and look at it as like your opponent is supposed to be kicking your ass. It's supposed to be pouring its heart and soul on how to get you cornered. Yeah, that's its job. You don't need to blame anyone. It really takes the victimhood out of every decision in your life. Yeah. Because the second it's the universe playing a move against you, it change, you can sit back and go, ooh, you motherfucker. What a good move that was. Hmm, let me think here. Okay, 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 okay. Like, what would a good move be now? Like, a good move is not going to be punch a wall, hurt my fist, look like an yeah. asshole, embarrass my wife. A yeah. good move is going to be boom, check. Yeah. And now it's, I put it back in your lap. I just responded in kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I stripped the bad emotions out of it. The other thing I do as part of this game is I think about death a lot. And it's become one of the biggest gifts. I've talked about this a lot, but it's been one of the biggest gifts. At first, it was a detriment. I used to start thinking about death a lot. I've lost all these key people in my life that really started making me realize how precious time is. Mm -hmm. Time is such a fleeting thing. And I started thinking about my deathbed, what it's going to look like, how it's going to feel, like how scary it's going to be. Like thinking about people that I'd watched on their deathbed in this last decade, which was a lot of people. Mm. And, and I had to grapple with this. But a, the great part about me, I feel like, is I will grapple with something until I come up with a solution. And the only solution you can come up with death, because it's inevitable, it's going to happen, is I had a soul search for in a lot of different places. My faith, I had to look at all these key components because before that, I never thought about it. I thought I was invincible, I live forever. But now, it's actually a gift now. I've reframed the whole thing. The fact that I'm, number one, gamifying life, and number two, the whole idea that I'm gonna die anyway. There's a clock on the game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It allows me to pull right back to this moment yeah. and do the thing anyway, yeah. but now I do it without, oh, the, so the fear I, disappears. I, I love it. If I was playing a game and I saw a literal clock, you, you bet damn well I'm going to be very clear and focused. It's different. The, it changes the, how you do life. The, the death, I, I, it clicked. Like the death plus game combo. Yes, it works together. It gives a laser, a laser focus. Yeah. Like if I'm, it's if why I'm playing I'm here, a game bro. and you don't have to win within 60 minutes, but if I have to win within 60 minutes, yes. like I'm, I'm like laser. This is it. I love it. This is the deal. So death and a chessboard can literally be the catalyst to change your life. Mm. It is such a powerful combination. Forget the rules, which I'm going to tell you in a minute. Mm -hmm. Those are the add-on layers that I placed on it just to yeah. always make sure I'm in alignment and there's always a barometer for how I make decisions without yeah. thinking about yeah, it. I don't yeah. want to think about decisions. So I created rules for my life. These are non-negotiables. These are no particular order, but I want to share them with you because I think it's going to give you a really good feel for how much clarity you need in life. And mm. the first rule, rule number one, is clarity. Mm. In every situation, every room I walk into, even this podcast, we want clarity. What's, this, what, what's the outcome we're looking for? We want intentionality as part of rule one. Clarity and intentionality. We want to always be intentional. We always need clarity. We always need to know what we're looking for in every situation, every meeting, every goal. We must get clarity. And you got to work this out. But if you're thinking about it and it's a rule, it sort of just becomes a thing. I walk in a room, what do I want? Yeah. What do you want? Yeah. You cut the fat. It yeah. gets to the brass it gets tacks. Gets you out of vagueness. 100% yeah. and it works. It's a valuable one. Rule number two is promises. I actually put a rule in for promises. We keep them. Mm. It's a powerful thing to always keep your promises. Commitments, you keep them. Huge rule. Yeah. Your word, you keep it. It's really simple. You and it's more it. important to do it to the things that you don't tell other people. Like it's the promises you keep to yourself that mm. you told yourself the things mm. you said to yourself that no one knows about those are the hardest ones to keep because it's so easy to say oh i'm not going to fast today i'm going to eat that mm -hmm. gummy bear right mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and you may fold sometimes but you're less likely if you're making it a rule like if you honor your rules and you're a stand-up person you're going to literally live and die by them consumption i put a rule number three in of consumption i do not want to consume anything that does not serve me 
that is not mm-hmm. healthy for me. I ch- if, you, if it's social media, I want to consume things that are adding yeah. value to my life. People that are doing what I want to do. I only want to pull in resources. Your body. You that align with what I say I want out of life. Yeah. I don't want to waste time. I always want to be growing. I always want to be learning. And I always want to be closing. I only want to consume things that will speak to those bullet points. Mm. The gym. This is probably my favorite rule. This rule should have been number four. one. Yeah, rule gym. number four, the gym. I could speak for an hour on this topic, and I, and I won't. Um, <laughs> the daily taxation of your central nervous system, the daily dues must be paid in this category. For me, it's not about the body. I'm way past like trying to achieve the body. Also, in my evolution, yeah. my understanding of how I want my body to be is completely changed. I used to be 200 pounds muscle driven. The gym actually saved my life. I've been doing this for my entire life since childhood. Even as a child, the gym was a savior for me. And then when I fell off the map after high school and like went off to the deep end, it was the gym that was there for me again. But it really has only not been in my life maybe one time since I've been eight years old. Mm -hmm. Um, But the gym for me has become so much more than the body. It is a place for my mind to explore the realm of all the possibilities. All my greatest ideas stem from the gym all my best creations come from the gym and the best clarity I can get for things I'm grappling with always start to come into clear focus in the gym and boom, an aha moment happens. I, if you ever watched me in the gym and and I didn't know you were there, what you would see is me work out, do heavy sets, do a lot of repetition sets. And in between every set, I grab my phone and you see me typing. I've heard you say, I pour my heart out into my phone in between sets because my mind's teeming with energy. I also made a change probably about five or six years ago and I stopped listening to music completely. I've been listening to music in years. I only listen to podcasts or books. I've listened to hundreds of books That's in the gym. That's your consumption rule. Yeah, exactly. There you go, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm living it out in yeah, the gym yeah. too. A lot of these rules will bleed into each other. Of course, yeah. But when I hear other people chopping up a topic or listening to another book, I mean, some of these books I've listened to like seven times. Yeah. I will listen to them yeah, over and yeah. over because it's always a new idea that comes out of it. I will relate that person's situation with all these endorphins that are just teeming through my brain. They're flooding through my mindset. I will attach all those to a problem I have in life, to something I'm trying to achieve in life, to a dream, a vision. Mm. And that's where the courage and the confidence comes from. All the confidence in my life comes from endorphins. I literally am hooked on the taxation of my body that creates the endorphins that light the fire. And then I go fucking execute. And a lot of times by the end of the day, when I've exhausted all my flow state, I regret it. I'm like, oh, what did I do? I made such bold declarations to the world, to the universe. I I spoke out loud, which is another rule coming up. Next rule, gym could go on ever. I actually separated from gym health. I have a rule about health. This is about sleep. This is about nutrition. And I added this major bullet point into this rule. No alcohol. This is a more recent phenomenon in my life. I, I used to have a lot of occasional drinks business meetings, I'd always have a cocktail to loosen the mood. Yeah. I could give you a story about alcohol. I probably should just because it's valuable. I was at a Lincoln Day dinner event. This is when I stopped drinking. Um, I was successful in my career, happy, healthy, had the world by the ass. Went to a Lincoln Day dinner. They started serving me cocktails. I would, oh, Crown and Coke. That was always my go-to. And this was about almost two years ago now since my last sip of alcohol. And this, this lady was awesome. She just kept bringing them. And I don't know how many it was. I wasn't drunk, yeah. but it was probably honestly seven or eight crown and Cokes. I'm yeah. pounding them. I think they were pretty weak. Yeah. There were little glasses at a charity event, right? Yeah. Okay. Lincoln Day dinner. So anyway, my brother's in town with his wife. They're driving with us and we just drive home after that. It's like nine o'clock, but I knew I had a lot. Bad decision. Shouldn't have made it. I get pulled over. Woo! And I said, fuck, here we go. This is terrible, but it's true. I think I'm going to go to jail. I just know, like, all right, if he pulls me over, I had so many cocktails and I just didn't feel drunk. And I'll I'll tell you in a sec what happened, but cop comes up to the window and he goes, whoa, you guys been drinking tonight? Because I can smell it. And I looked at my brother and said, how many cocktails did you have? And he goes, (laughs) he smiled at me. He goes, step out of the car. Come in the car. Now another cop car pulls in behind. Now it's a big scene. And a third one. And now I got flashlights on me. Come out. I'm in a t-shirt and it's a thin shirt. It's freezing. I don't have my coat on my sport coat. And they will start walking me through the breathalyzer test. And I'm just focused. I'm holding my breath. I'm serious as a heart attack. I got the thing going, fall with your eye, fall your eye. And I'm doing every skill in my book to keep it together. And I get through all it. And I feel like they're going longer and longer and longer. Like, when is this going to end? But it ended. And he said, all right, Mr. Rock, have a good day. 
And there's a woman right there just kind of smiling at me. as She's got a flashlight in my face, holding my breath this whole time. And I said, holy shit. It was just a wake-up call because at this point in my life, the last thing on planet Earth I need is something like that happening. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. I'm just too strict of a person. I was strict at that yeah, point in my life. I yeah, was such yeah. a disciplined human. Like, what am I doing? It wasn't until I started doing business with a, a, a partner that, that a chip that developed out of it with a billionaire who never had a sip alcohol in his life that I really got clarity on this subject because I knew I, where I was kind of headed. I was getting so optimized with health, longevity, yeah, yeah. but he never had a cocktail. And I remember one time ordering a drink because it was dinner. I'm in Vegas. I'm at his hotel. I'm having a cocktail at his hotel. He doesn't care. Um, and he ordered an iced tea or something. And I, and I, I a crown of Coke, like, cause it was normal. It's dinner time. I yeah, want to break yeah. the ice. You know, I think, I think I need it. Right. Yeah. Just cause I, I don't, I don't drink at home ever. It's only at yeah, dinners. Yeah, yeah. This was, but I'm a guy that goes to dinner all the time. Listen to me, like try to make it okay. I don't drink at home, Yeah, yeah. but I ordered a drink and it felt awkward. I just kind of got uncomfortable and I grabbed the waiter when he came back and I said, hey, just cancel the drink. I'll do an iced tea also. And from that moment on, it was the last time Perfect. I had a drink. I already had this bad event happen. Yeah. But I can't tell you, for, for this to be a rule, I wanted to elaborate because it's been a game yeah, changer in my life. The one. power that I possess when I go out and I watch everyone, yeah, it feels good for the first two or three, but you're lying if you think you feel good after four, five, and six. And everyone gets to four, five, yeah. and six. They lie. They say they don't, but they do. And the whole point is, is when you're destroying all the gut bacteria and you're killing all the hard work that your body does, you destroy. Alcohol kills everything, kills all that bacteria in your gut. You have weeks of work to do with no drinking to get it back to some sort of gut yeah. biome that works. And this were all, I could see yeah. in people's noses, in their eyes, in their skin. And you didn't get any sleep that night because your body's dying to get the alcohol out of its body. But the point is this, and I will go quicker on the beginning, but I wanted to get to this one because I think it's been for a lot of people probably listening to this. And I've been asked about this countless times about food, health, gym, nutrition, yeah, and alcohol. One. I mean, it's, it's a game changer. It, yeah, I, I, I stopped. I was similar to you, just random social situations. And, but I stopped and it, it can't be overstated how powerful it is. It's, I love it, man. It's huge. But for the... Keep rolling on the show. I'm going. I, I don't know. I want to hear. Good. I want to hear all the rules. I'm getting through them, okay, but I can't like jump no. over that alcohol one because I mean, look, if you're this could if, save someone's life. If your billionaire partner doesn't drink, yeah. why, why the hell do you need it's to a drink good point. out there? Whoever's listening, he, to this he show, has yeah. no idea the influence that he's had on my life. He has no idea, yeah. and I suggest you get around people that are doing things yeah. at that, the next levels that you want to do. Next rule is is a simple rule about emotions, and I call it this: remaining calm in the storm. Mm. Okay. This one's huge. It plays to the game. We've already talked about it. We, you consider death in this one. It's the whole thing that I package that I put together. But just remember this thing. When shit hits the fan, great leaders keep it together. If it's intentional, it's part of your rules. Anytime you feel a feeling you don't like, you can take a deep breath and react differently. And you can literally change your life by remaining calm in the storm. Because bad days are coming for you. Whether you like it or not, you like it or not, I like it or not bad days are coming. Mm. If you can just always tell yourself to remain calm in the storm, it will change your behavior. Okay. Honesty. Number seven, we want to have honesty, integrity, and truth in all aspects of our life. This must be the barometer from which all our communication and all our decisions are made from. You got to be honest regardless of the consequences. This is crucial and this must be a muscle you work out daily because it's so easy to fib or to like craft a, a scenario that like just feels good. Yeah. But it's just not healthy yeah. and people will see through it and it will speak to people's spidey senses. Yeah. So you got to master this one. Authenticity is number eight. I want vulnerability with authenticity. Your pain will one day become your greatest testimony. My next rule is bleeding hard. I talk about this a lot. People hear it a lot. It's one of my favorite rules. I know when I'm coming through that room that I made a decision to fucking bleed everywhere, to pour it out. When you're intentional about it, Matt, what happens? This is a signature rock rule. The Let's bleed go. part. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. What happens when you bleed hard? If you tell yeah, yourself, I'm going to walk in this fucking room out. and bleed. Yeah, you have no regrets. You just and, set and yourself you, up. you open doors you couldn't have seen. I mean, that's how I'd say. Yeah, you, I mean, ble bleeding hard, it, it, all it is is a triggered thought that it's, allows it's, you to it's, pour it out and not care about the consequences. pouring it all out. I love it, yeah. Love, compassion, and empathy, number 10. I always need to keep that as part of the bleeding out. We bleed out with compassion, love, and empathy. We need this to be part of the trigger process. Mm. It really will help you get forward in life if you can live and lead with these words as part of your trigger process. The trigger process is important. You need to create situations in your life where visualization is constantly happening. When you walk into the room, 
a trigger could go off that really sets you up for for a state of being like an aspect of the game. Well, Ed talks a lot about this. It's been one of the big gifts he's given me on clarity. You have to visualize all your goals and dreams every day. You've got to embed this as part of your morning routine and routine throughout the day. When it's always in the front of your your vision yeah. and you always are seeing it and speaking whatever out habits you have doorknobs yeah, you got to get yeah, yeah getting familiar with it is p- part of that process is thinking about it every day and the second you have a rule for it every time i did my phone what if a trigger went off i mean it could be when yeah, you get yeah. in your car door could be walk when you walk through a door that's brendan bouchard's rule when he, yeah. he, he calls it something about walking through the door yeah i'll move on um, high standards, rules, and non-negotiables. The, the one point here about this rule, which is what we're talking about, but you just need to honor them and you need to protect them with your life. You do not break your own rules. That is a rule. <laughs> Number 14 is red flags. We never ignore them. If you feel it in your gut, Trust your gut. Yeah. the problem is likely 10 times worse yeah. than the red flag would suggest. I've seen you walk that out. You do that well. I trust myself yeah. now. And it builds a muscle. Once you trust it a few times, you trust it quicker. Self-belief, self-confidence, and self-awareness. You get what you deserve, and you deserve it all. You have to have this abundant mindset for how much you can achieve in this lifetime. A lot of people, they do the opposite. They talk down to themselves. They tell themselves what they can't do. We want to we counter that with a rule. We always believe in our abilities. We always know that if shit hits the fan, like we're going to make it. We are going to come through. We are going to find the light. Flow state. This is a big one. Rule number 17 for me is all about flow state, momentum, energy. I'll just say this. It's important to keep it all day. You don't want to go till three o'clock. If your schedule's going to keep you going till six, you go till six. You've got to create triggers and habits and routines to stay in a flow state. Mm-hmm. And if you're mindful that you're not in a flow state, there's ways to get back in it. Mm-hmm. Nutrition plays this, gym plays this, how you do healthy life plays yeah. this. But at the end of the day, like I can drop down right now and do a hundred pushups yeah. right now, get all that blood flowing and it will reposition the frame of my mindset. Yeah. Okay. Next one is zero negative thoughts. We never want to talk bad about anything or anyone. We always want to take the high road. And if negative thoughts start happening, which is normal, they always do. You could always trigger yourself right out of them. And it's just important to be aware of yeah, that. Yeah, They're going to come up when you it happens all the time. I know, do it all the time. You just create the option <laughs> to turn away from them. I, t- I start talking shit yeah. about someone and then I'll instantly catch say, yourself. Yeah. I'll fix it though. It, yeah. At least I feel like I can butt in it and fix it yeah, and find yeah. some positive thing to yeah, say. That's great. I try. I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm not perfect. It's the rule. It's not perfection. Yeah. Systems and processes and disciplines. If there's an area of life that is chaotic and doesn't have a system or process, I'm gonna, I promise you this is important to understand. You can create one. You have the power to create a system or process for any part of your life you don't like. And this is how you scale. This, I want to throw in a little nuance on this. Jordan Peterson has this great clip. He's like, look, if you, know, if you notice a repetitive pattern, put down your kid, or there's something that keeps happening in a negative way, you need to correct that. I mean, this rule would be perfect. Create a system around that. Like, create, correct it when you catch it. And High then, achievers do this, man. And you, yeah, exactly. You don't, if you catch yourself falling into something repeatedly limiting, that, that just demands your attention. Create right. a system or new process. But keep going. Keep it's rolling. so good. But again, like you start studying high achieving people and they you'll find yeah. they create systems for yeah. everything. They do not linger. Yeah. No. 19. Here we go. I'm getting there. But this is me. Uh, give, give, give. Value, value, value. We want to be giving value everywhere we go. This should be a dominating thought when you are communicating the world. Are you giving value or are you just dead weight? So yeah. I always consider that and it just tweaks how I do life. It's yeah. a rule. I give yeah. value. I want to be valuable. That's and good. so when you're thinking about it, it does change how things how you show progress. Up. Exactly. Yeah. The next one is character, moral fiber, and being a class act. We want to like really have these words at the front of our peripheral vision. We want to make sure we're always considering what character and moral fiber looks like. I love the whole notion of, of, of being a class act. You know, there's, there's a lot of different definitions of that, whatever it means to you, but it's just good to say it out loud. It is. Okay. Um, faith is one that I, I've embedded a rule in my life to always be aware of the higher power and everything that I do. I know that God is in all of my decisions. I don't talk about it enough, but I do consider this a very important part of my life. It's a rule of mine. I keep it closer to my heart than most. Mm. I just talk about a lot of the other things that you can control for mm-hmm. certain, mm-hmm. 
But this is also one you can control is your commitment to making sure that you bring something bigger than yourself in all of your decisions. Let this Holy Spirit guide you in everything you do. And it really will be a good soft like cushion behind all your energy, all your actions, all your failures, all your lessons, all the love. Like it's a, just a good thing to have. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. Um, number 22 is a very good one. Extreme ownership. Fuck all your poor excuses. There are so many people that just complain they bitch, they moan, and they don't do anything worthwhile. They never take ownership. These are the ultimate victims in life. But I'll say this. When I'm wrong, I admit it quickly. This is a rule, you guys. Extreme ownership, but part of it is owning your mistakes and, and not passing the buck off to someone else. Like letting it end with you. It's, it's really important to take extreme ownership of everything. The next rule is to be a leader, to be a role model, and to be a hero. Like most people think just because they haven't achieved greatness or some high level of something that they can't be a hero. Do you know the biggest and best heroes in life are just dads yeah, and moms ordinary day and grandmas? Yeah, yeah. If you're intentional about being a hero, it changes how you communicate to people, but it's got to be on the front of your brain. The biggest mistake people make in life is thinking that they can't be a hero to somebody. So make it a fucking rule and it's a game changer. If you can make being a hero a rule, this will literally be such a game changer for how you communicate. Mm. Just do it. Next time you go in a room, big, I'm going to be a hero for some little boy or little girl in this room. And it's easier to start there because these are the young developing mindsets. It changes how I get down with them and I, I want to communicate with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to act differently. Instead of walking in the room ignoring something, like I'll spot something because I'm aware of it. It's part of the rule. Be a hero. Now, you're probably thinking right now is like, pause this. Who could remember this many rules? This doesn't matter. This has become like the obsessive foundation of the person that I am. I, yeah. I live and breathe this yeah. stuff. I don't remember them all. Like at the end of the day, like there's an essence about all these that blend together. They, they sure. coexist and sure. they lock onto each other. They're all valuable. Okay. Next rule. 24. I always like to think this, the loss is the win in every situation, Love every single loss and failure is littered with silver linings and lessons and opportunity yeah. and opportunity. Bro, this is pure gold. Like yeah, if yeah. I could give some of these away that are like, what are your favorites? Yeah, yeah. Oh dude, what are the favorites there? Yeah. If the loss is always the win, like you're always winning. <laughs> You'll never lose because there are lessons in everything. There's no such thing as a loss. There's only such things as lessons, but you have to be super intentional about that. My next rule number 25 is relationships. I've always said this and I, I think it was Newton that said this. I may be wrong, maybe someone else, but I want to always be a midget perched on the shoulder of a giant. Okay. So I'm looking for those right relationships that can help me see farther than others because of who I'm connected to. And this is important. It is so hard to get in the right room. It's not easy. You have to bring a lot of value. I mean, you have to have an offering, right? But when it's a rule of yours to seek out like high value relationships, relationships that can take you places, it's amazing how much toxicity inadvertently that rule pulls out of your life. Mm. Because when you're only sourcing solid relationships with the whole mindset of being a midget perched on the shoulder of a giant, your ability to, to weed out the fat is so much greater. And if you do it every day and you practice it every day, this is amazing. I have a little extra rule that goes with this whole relationships rule, but that is I only want to be in a, in a room with two situations happening, two situations. I want to be in a room where I'm being pulled up or I want to be in a room where I'm pulling someone else up who wants it bad. That's it. I don't want to be in a room where there's not some sort of push or pull happening. Okay. Mm. Stand up and say something. Rule number 26. This is a good one because this has carried me so far. And I love that I've made this a rule in my life. It's something I see daily. I have all this written on a board where it makes it really easy for me to digest all this. But I always come to this one and smile. I had a rule that I established while I was at a funeral. And this was probably when I was 24, 23 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm 39 years old mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But this rule has really played out in so many unique ways. At some point I realized at a funeral, as someone that I cared about had passed away, like what would a great human, a great man or a great woman, what would they get up and say about this person? Because I knew I wanted to say something, but I was mm. so nervous. I didn't have the courage. I had all these butterflies in my stomach. 
And it was really painful to like, I, my palms are sweating. I should be just pouring my heart out for someone that's just passed away. Mm. And I'm over there worried about what people think of me. Like, I shouldn't yeah. say anything. So I would just, because it got too weird, I just won't say anything. Well, in that one moment, I just stood up and boom, I created a rule. Anytime I have a chance to say something meaningful or purposeful, anytime I've called upon or if there's a question in the room, I want to get up and say something. I had to use this as a, as a tactic to create a muscle, a fiber that, that I could stretch. Have it, yeah. I stand up and say something. And I do this in all aspects of life. Quick story real quick. This is how I've been seen by Ed Milet, who became my mentor. I'm just, it's a valuable story. I went to an event because I committed to, his, to charity. This is the whole reason of how I got around him. This was the, my inlet. I made, a, I made a, a connection to something that was dear to him. I showed up. There's, you know, thousand people in the room, maybe, maybe less. It was a lot of people in the room. A guy named Erwin McManus was speaking, who's a, a wonderful speaker, one of the amazing preachers. I'm sure you guys have heard of him. I love Erwin. He's an incredible mm -hmm. human. They were going to only ask three questions to the audience in a room full of a thousand people where no one knew who I was. I didn't know who anyone else was. Mm -hmm. Boom. Like when that rule's in place, your ability to jump in front of everyone else because it's a fucking rule just happens. Mm. Yep, right there. Stand up here. Come get the microphone. Boom. It's my chance. Hi, my name is Eric Rock from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Love it. You know what I'm saying? It's my ability to stand up past a thousand people and leave a mark. And you don't, if you're in that position, you want to then bleed. Use one of your other rules. Bleed in the room that you're I'll, in. I'll, don't be blase. I'll add to this too. Just, and there's not enough time to unpack other stories. Eric, Eric's going through all these rules, but I've heard stories, several actually, where he's done that same dang thing that he did at that Ed Milet event and other contexts. Yeah, so I've it's not, this isn't an abstraction. And the door, the doors, this particular rule, I've just observed open in his life because of it. So I just want to throw that back to you as a, Thank a you. friend who's actually witnessed <laughs> you walk some of these out. Um, Thanks, bro. You are walking them out. What's, what's the next one? Appreciate it. I, I'm going to cap that one by just saying like, yeah. my ability to be seen, heard, and have a message that day. It played out in some unique ways that day. Number one, I ended up getting an opportunity to do one-on-one -on -one mentorship with him. Yeah. I wouldn't say that was the reason, but at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. like it catapulted me to the top door. of the food chain, right? Yeah. Because I said something compelling. I talked about death, which we're all going to face. And the room went silent. I could tell that I racked Erwin McManus's brain. Like I really got him to ponder something that was heavy and that was full of vulnerability. Like that's what bleeding looks like is to pour it out and to go to these heavy places. And this is how you stay memorable. But at the end of the day, you know how many people came in that room and thanked me? We went to a party that night at Ed's house. All these people, one by one, all night. Someone, That's awesome. Friends that I made today that are now dear friends of mine. I Just so many people came up to me. One person came up to me and cried. She held me. She said, mm. I know exactly how you feel. Like mm. her, My testimony was part of, of the struggle that she was going through and things that it, people that she lost. And she just unloaded. But you'll never know like what you could have made out of that situation if you don't say anything. If you don't stand up and make mm. some sort of declaration in the world. And when the universe hears you, it'll put... One thing that happens is it puts pressure on your back. When you have pressure on your back, it creates actions that would have never happened. Most people stay out of the pressure, though. They love comfort. Comfort is a hell of a drug. So create a rule that gets you out of your comfort zone, and you'll be fine. Okay. Charity is the next rule. It's rule number 27. This is all about philanthropy, and this is about the give back, okay? Success is not measured in how much money you make or keep. Success is measured by how much you give. And I think the rest just explains itself there. 28 is fear. I actually have a fear rule. I recognize fear is, it, it, I try to recognize it as a thought. But the truth is it's a feeling. The second I feel it, I turn it into a thought. Because I feel like it's much easier to control fear when I see it as a thought. Okay? Because sure. it's just easier to push it aside. I don't need to let that feeling overwhelm me and, and tear me down. So I feel the fear, I embrace it, and I jump anyway. It's just become a rule, and now I spot good. it, I recognize it, I see it. 29, we always find a way to win, and there's always a way, and I always go back to the chessboard. When you think it's over, it's not, keep going. Never stop, never quit, find the win. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. 31 is per personal brand. This is a 24-7 process, and this is something I'm really learning about right now in mm -hmm. real time. I added this on at the end. Um, there's one more that I slid in there, but personal brand. Um, you are the brand. It never ends. You're always representing something, whether you realize it or not. Most people don't even realize they are a brand and they're never taking responsibility for it. But you need to act like you are the brand. You need to step up to the plate. You need to step into the light. 
Um, and the truth is this, this is how stars are born. And my last rule is passion, purpose, and making sure your why is always on the table every single day. These should always be the guiding forces in your life that's pulling you. Um, if you get out of alignment with those three words, you must course correct quickly. This is where self-awareness, another rule, kicks back in. But if you're out of alignment with your why, your purpose, like you need to spot it quickly. And you've got to have these rules in place to sort of constantly be shifting you. But this mm-hmm. is really, in my opinion, the foundation that you could set up to create someone that could really make waves in the marketplace. Yeah, and 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 I want to ask two questions to wrap this 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 talk on leadership with regard to the rules. Like the very fact that you even took the time to contemplate, differentiate. One thing that I hear throughout your whole story, and I've observed this. So this is powerful. I'm going to look at the camera on this. Like people, if you clarify a rule like like Eric's done in any one of these domains. It's like your consciousness all of a sudden sees options in your day you did not literally see before. Yeah. And and I've watched you do that. Like and it's it's the cool thing as a listener to this is I've watched you act out several of these rules habitually. It's like um so what would you say to someone who like where to begin? Do they uh I'm obviously if they're inspired by aspects of your rules, but what's your process as you've compiled these? How do you bring your awareness over and over back to them are they habit at this point like what's your yeah the whole goal is to is to actually make goals habits rituals and routines i would say it's the barometer that that helps you make decisions so they become like you know instinctual in you yeah but just saying the word out loud whatever the thing is the phrase the word it realigns you in such a subtle way but such an impactful way you need to be speaking these things into existence constantly. It changes how the opportunities come your way. It changes oh, yeah. what you're going to say and do. It, it just changes everything. Yeah. I, but I realize as I study the people I look up to, like, fuck, there's levels to this. And these people are nuts. They're yeah. psychotic yeah. with their rules. Yeah. They're, and they don't tell people a lot. Like, yeah. these are dear to them. Like, yeah. these core values, like, mine are a lot. People break it down to five or six. Sure. I, I really went full with it. There's I, value in getting, really making subtle distinctions just because it creates... Yep. It's not in the magic of the number 32. No. Um, <laughs> and I didn't want to end back on a to weird your number. story, I was so moved by that. Like it's, uh, I think this is a good example of, because when you hear a story like that, particularly at his funeral, so many people being moved by his, his devotion, you can't help but wonder what's inside a man like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the arc. And, uh, yeah. I totally get it. And, yeah. and my, the big question that I, that I got from that was what are people going to say at my funeral? Yeah, exactly. And the question I have for the audience is what question or what things are people going to say at your funeral? Um, that's a really hard question to ask. If you had to, to, to write your eulogy, what would that say? Like consider the end yeah. and that'll change how you do decisions right now. It'll change how you do decisions in the next five minutes. You will do, it'll, you'll do life differently with your wife. You'll do life differently with the person at Starbucks. You'll do life differently everywhere you go, but people aren't thinking about the end and they're not taking that as power mm. for their situations mm. today. The other thing I'd add to just to in my experience, when I've created a rule, once I've committed to it fully, it takes all the resistance out of it. It's yeah. not like, it's not like I can't imagine you're like, oh man, these, 30, these 32 heavy rules. No. Like, like I made a it's decision. It's the opposite. Like exactly. It's freeing. It's it, freedom. It frees up all kinds of bandwidth. So Discipline it's not like I freedom. have 32 things in my head, <laughs> but like, like I also quit alcohol as an example, or there's another one. Like, I just decided not to do X because I've made that deep decision. I've decide by the way i love the roots of this word it's like to kill off i've literally killed off all those options and i don't get into an inner resistance yes. with it and it's because you you seem lighthearted in your day it's not like your burden or like no, i love this so i'm in my passion in my flow state it's hard to fuck with me i'm unfuckable with yeah it's not i think <laughs> it's powerful man it's like discipline is freedom extreme ownership exactly they, they actually free up your mind you, your mind is actually yes when you live by a standard uh, it's I, now open to, like you said earlier, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How can I love this person in yes. the moment? Because I'm not like trying to be this or that. Yeah. I Discipline know. gives I you so many more options. How have you seen some of these rules change your life? Yeah, exactly. Are you asking me that? Yeah. Oh, man. That's podcast 2.0. Even I alcohol. Like, yeah. Well, like, how, oh, how God. Does that I'll give, I'll give one. Um, 
Well, alcohol, it wasn't, I was never run by it at a deep level or addicted, but it was more of a, it was, I think it's, alcohol is a health and energy thing. So like you were saying, it destroys your gut biome. You can't, you can't get away. Even the recent research that's running around out there online is uh, even a couple drinks a week has like consequences for weeks. It does. So here's the alcohol thing. It comes from this rule, which I share with your consumption rule. It's like, um, and I've adopted this from a physician I admire. There's no greater physical asset in your life than your, than your physical body. So if you think about that, your investments, your house, actually that's true. There's no actually asset in my possession than my yeah. body. So I will only put things in my body that are healthy for it'll me. serve you yeah so I, it's like a great your, rule like your consumption rule is like no brainer and once i've made that decision it's this year that i've really put that in deeply into place yeah it's not like i'm struggling with it yeah i'm not like oh where are the doritos like can i tell you too yeah, yeah. what the most beautiful thing is from my perspective yeah is there are some things in life that you can't buy you can't manipulate you can't steal you can't gift you can't borrow them you can't win them you got to earn them yeah and money is not one of those things but i'll tell you what is your body, you have to earn it. And when you show up to a thing, when you walk in the room, like you're gonna go and bleed everywhere, right? That's one yeah. thing to go in and bleed everywhere. It's one thing to come in and bleed everywhere and be a fat person that's totally unhealthy and, and it's clear you have no discipline in your life. It's a whole nother thing to step into a room and own every ounce of your energy. You own it wholly from and, your and toes it, to your top hair. And also, I'll add this layer to this before we wrap. Like the, it's actually out of humility because people for, whether you like it or not, like a great definition of health from Dr. Sean Omar, I love his stuff, but he's like, Health is appearance and performance. You have to respect that people, they, they take a, in how you appear. And if you're not, it matters. If you're not vital or healthy, you don't have to be hot, tall, hot, forget no, all the other attributes. You just have to be healthy. Like, Show you, you care. Are, do you have about radiance grow, going yeah. out of you? And if you don't, they don't yes. trust you. Yeah. And then therefore your word has less impact. Your leadership. Yep. It all, you know. You're um, so right. It is the one thing that speaks whether you want it to or not. It tells a story about you. And yeah. so you better consider how you present yourself. Your body is the ultimate like and if street I, sign. And speaking just to bring this home to wrap the leadership topic for today, like, I don't know, in primitive times, if there's like a man or woman standing on a hill and there's scary lions out there, <laughs> I'm not going to want to follow them unless they look strong, vibrant, and healthy. Yeah, facts. I'm just not. I mean, that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna submit to their leadership if they're healthy, just yeah. as one of your rules. But can you, can you think about this? Like for a second, it's like, I've, I've always thought about this, like employees in general, we've had so many over the years, obviously, but I think about like, cause I put a lot of love and energy into them, but I always think like you show up like this, looking like that, not caring the way you do about yourself. It's very clear that how do you think I'm going to trust you to care about things that are important to me? If you don't oh, yeah. clearly even yeah, take care of your own self, you don't make your own bed. How would I expect you to make my bed? So, let me, uh, let's just, since we're up on time, I want you to wrap this, Eric, like in terms of awakening the leader within, um, last question, what would be right now? So every leader we had, we were rocking through all these podcasts with great guests. And, uh, one cool thing is to discover that every leader is now facing an uncertain unknown. Like they're willing to continually tackle something new. Where's the cusp of leadership challenging you today? Like right now, real time, yeah. where are you feeling challenges leader today? Let's wrap with that question. Yeah. In this moment, I'm looking up because my brain's racking of like, what is my biggest challenge as it pertains to like forward momentum, which yeah, is all that. embodies leadership. It's, I put a ton of pressure on myself to become somebody to really like leave a mark on this planet. And the hardest thing is to get full clarity on what that lane looks like. But I would say that for, for the first time in my life, as it pertains to this whole personal brand thing, which has the yeah. really the potential to do anything you could ever imagine. Yeah. I'm here. I'm doing it. You're doing it right here. So, so to take, yes to take to it. it to the next level, to really double down, triple down, quadruple down to be, I know the formula. I just spoke it. So now it's going to be acting it out in real time Walking it and out. silencing the imposter voices that constantly tell me like, oh, this is embarrassing or this is like I'm doing too much. Like, you know, all the things that like people tell me, like, in, you know, my how, family, how oh, Eric, you are you up? OK? People are always worried about yeah. me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like I'm, it's off putting that I'm doing so much and going so hard after my dreams. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you always yeah. kind of get that, like tone it down. And yeah. I'm like, oh, like I want to be around people that are like, no, go for it. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. like push me into the darkness yeah. and you need to be around the right people to do that. It's not a lot of people project their uncomfortable nature on you. 
and it's easy to get trapped in that. If you're not around people that are propelling you forward, it's so easy to be trapped and pulled backwards into their reality. Yeah. And so for me, it, like trying to really figure out how to, to really do this, it's a challenge because there's a lot of scary stuff you're going to have to do. I mean, my biggest fear is stepping on a stage. Literally, it's my biggest fear. Coming up, baby. It, yeah. like I, the gut feeling of like the, the, the blink, like the thoughts yeah, of yeah. how my brain will shut down as my nerves build up and the tongue stick into the top of my mouth. I've had a dry mouth before on stage. Like I've done it before. That's why I know it sucks so bad. I've never worked out of that and figured it out. So now I'm making a commitment to that. I'm going to little play out in real time. And yeah. I need to get comfortable with the light. Like it is so hard to be comfortable stepping in the light where, where the spotlight's on you. But I realize now that if I'm going after notoriety, fame, success, wealth, power even, well, now I have a purpose behind it. It's to do good in the world. It's to leave a mark worthwhile. And that's really helped solidify my position as a leader because I don't want it for the sake of just having it or for monetary it's things. It's onto something greater. Yeah, now it's helped me. And I got a lot of clarity from using superhero power. If you have the potential to be a superhero, using it for good, and that's solved that problem really? for me. Now it's going to be just acting it out in real time. And we're here. That's awesome, man. All right, awakening the leader within. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man on a mission.